You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I'm your host here, Charles Hammerker. Uh, we are at the home studio, unfortunately. Things happen. Life happens. No matter the case, we trek through the month of December as the weather becomes harder to get through and just tougher to endure in a way. Uh, tougher to endure is the same thing you could have said about the past Seahawks game, which you know, as order that we do every single week, we will go into that. The Seahawks on the road trying to snap a three-game losing streak, which, you know, they haven't hit a four-game losing streak, certainly not like this in the Pete Carroll era. And they would do that, though, in this game. They would fall to the San Francisco 49ers here on the road uh, by a score of 16-28. to 28. Just a tough one. Seattle was really never able to get out of the gate um, after – halftime the first quarter wasn't bad i mean seattle was able to get 10 points out of it uh, the first drive that they allowed to san francisco wasn't great uh christian mccaffrey breaks a big run in that one uh it looked like the 49ers were really on their way to running away with this game uh thankfully though drew Locke at quarterback yes we'll get to the reasoning behind that uh in a quarterback was able to kind of settle things down find dk metcalf for a touchdown jason myers added a field goal you go into the half uh down by four at a score of 14 to 10 you think all right you know you're you're holding the explosive 49ers team uh to uh, not that much they, they were getting chunk plays i mean there's talent all over their offensive side of the ball obviously um but you go into the halftime, you don't feel too bad about it. <laughs> After that, uh, things just kind of collapsed for Seattle. I mean, there were a few good plays that the Seahawks made. Julian Love uh, got a pick. Uh, the Seahawks forced a fumble on Brandon Ayuk. Um but after that, Brock Purdy, uh, this this 49ers offense with George Kittle, with Christian McCaffrey, uh, with Debo Samuel, was just able to go and pull away in this one. Unfortunately, uh, Drew Locke throws two interceptions in the fourth quarter, and it's 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 been tough the last three weeks leading into this game for the Seahawks, and it becomes even more tough after this fourth straight loss in a row. And questions continue to be asked of this current, uh, this current roster, this coaching staff, this front office. So uh, we look on the offensive side of the ball. I went with Tyler Lockett as my player of the game, not necessarily a ton of standout performances on the offensive side of the ball for Seattle. Running the ball, Zach Charbonnet was your leading rusher with 44 yards. Most of that coming on a big 23-yard gain, uh, his longest of the day. Kenneth Walker was back in action today. Well, in that game, pardon me. Uh, but he only got 21 yards on the ground on eight carries. But Tyler Lockett, my offensive player of the game uh, in this loss, six receptions for 89 yards, uh, including a 24-yard long uh, on six targets. So didn't drop any passes, was able to reel in every time that he was uh, throwing the ball. 
Tyler Lockett, uh, we've said it multiple times throughout the course of this season, has been a consistent presence for the Seahawks offense, something that they can use uh, when teams take away the athleticism athleticism of a DK Metcalf uh, or that running game. Uh, DK didn't have a bad game. He was targeted five games. Well, not his game could have been better. I apologize. Uh, five targets, two receptions, 52 yards and a touchdown there for DK. Um it did spread the ball around, but it ultimately wasn't enough there. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, the secondary play from Seattle wasn't great overall. I mean, you can that is a testament. Uh, the big plays are a testament to that, that they gave up, whether it was Debo Samuel, uh, Brennan Ayuk, uh, Julian, uh, Julian Love did, though, have an interception. He did lead the team in tackles with seven total tackles, five solo tackles, a pass deflection. He did have an interception there. So that was big. You know, you get the, your team the ball back. It's impressive, uh, but unfortunately, Seattle not able to do too much with it. Uh, but still nice to see uh, J- Jamal Adams had a bad game in this when he got torched. Jamal Adams' tenure with the Seahawks might not go much longer than this current season. So we'll see about that. Uh, but, yeah, we look at the inactives list, and, you know, there's some some names that have been there a while. McClendon Curtis, Rayquan O'Neal, uh, Trey Brown was on here, unfortunately, Patrick O'Connell. Uh, but Geno Smith, obviously the big name that was on the inactives list for Seattle. He has a groin injury that he suffered in the last few days of practice leading into this contest against San Francisco. And he did try to go in warmups, uh, but it didn't seem like he could do so. So Drew Locke got the start. The team did sign uh, quarterback uh, Brett Man- uh, Sean Mannion, pardon me, uh, to the active roster ahead of this game so that they could have a backup uh, in the case that Gino wasn't able to go. And he wasn't the current groin injury that Gino is dealing with is looked at as a two week recovery time. So for him to be able to push through that would have been sort of somewhat miraculous. But looking at all of that, I mean, it's it's really tough. I mean, not having your quarterback isn't very ideal. Uh, your starting quarterback, that is, uh, you know, the Seahawks offensive line hasn't been able to pass protect for Gino hardly all season long. Uh, he's dealing still with the triceps injury that he suffered against the Rams on the road after taking that helmet uh, to the arm by Aaron Donald. And now this groin injury that he suffered in practice. It's just been a rough go. Uh, Seattle really hasn't been able to hit a consistent stride throughout the course of the year. Um and it doesn't necessarily seem that that will start anytime soon. They've gone through this current big gauntlet stretch of four games, uh, having lost the first three. They play the Philadelphia Eagles next. The Eagles have struggled uh, to a degree in the past few weeks, but they've been playing better teams than Seattle, certainly. Uh, and it's going to be a big stake, considering that's on Monday Night Football. You've got two of the Defensive Rookie of the Year candidates in this game, and uh, Devon Witherspoon and Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter scoring a touchdown last week, uh, this past week, that is. So it's really tough. It's it's really tough for the Seahawks at this current point in time. The, you know, the, the secondary is giving up big plays. Uh, the run defense, I mean, the, the tackling still remains an issue. Uh, the run <laughs> running the football is somewhat non-existent for this Seahawks team, despite it being something that Pete Carroll talks about all the time and something that, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about Pete Carroll and changes uh, regarding this team and, for the longest time, I wanted to believe in Pete Carroll. I wanted to see the message through uh, how big of an impact that he makes on this team's culture is something to note, obviously. Um, but you remain stagnant, right? You're not getting better. You're not getting 
deep into the playoffs anymore. The furthest that you get is the divisional round and you just get bounced from there. Um, at some point it's got to change. At some point it's got to change. At some point you've got to be able, you've got to be able to get past that divisional stage. Uh, you want to get back to your Super Bowl. That's obviously the goal here. And I don't know that Pete Carroll in this current position and with this current staff, at least can get you there, can even get you there, let alone win the thing. So it's tough week after week on his Monday show that he does after games, Pete Carroll talks about, taking accountability for the loss, not preparing the guys uh, well enough for this game, for the opponent, that's unacceptable. I mean, if it's if it's one week, sure. If it happens again, sure, it needs to change. But when we're hearing this consistently week in and week out that Pete Carroll says, I need to be better getting the team ready, you're failing at your job as a head coach, and you're doing it consistently. It, it it's just very very tough to hear game in and game out. This I needed to get the guys better prepared for this game, and it, to hear it again and again, you get the point. So, um, yeah, not not certainly not ideal uh, for the Seahawks. Artie Burns left this game with an injury, uh, with a I believe it was a knee injury. Yes. He left this game with a knee injury and Devon Witherspoon did leave this game with what Carol called a hip stinger. Um, he does believe though, uh, that Witherspoon should be able to get back in time for next week's game on Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a big help, um, for Seattle. So really, really tough. I mean, yeah, that's that's my biggest thing on it is if you continue to hear I needed to be better, it's one on you to go and make that change. So Pete Carroll can't go to anybody else to to fix that. And two, if I'm hearing it again and if you keep saying that, what's we we I shouldn't be heard in the first place. That this shouldn't be brought up again and again and again. So you get the point. Um I it 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 might be time for serious change in the Seahawks organization. Um, and it's tough because there are some good talented pieces. You know, the last few draft classes have been pretty rock solid. There are some solid veterans on this team. Um, and I don't necessarily think that they're far off, but I think that similar to how the Kraken is uh, Kraken are playing this season, something's got to change. Um, so, I mean, and they are different. They are, there are good differences. Um, in those two teams and the struggles that they're dealing with. And we'll get to that when we get to their segment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not looking like something that's going to be able to be fixed necessarily uh, in the short term, something that's going to require a simple solution. So as I mentioned, that next game is Monday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles. Your Seahawks sit at a six and seven record. Uh, they're third in the NFC West, despite the fact that the Rams lost in overtime to the Ravens this past week. Uh, the, excuse me, the Eagles, uh, well, pardon me, the Rams still hold the tiebreaker because obviously they swept the Seahawks this season. So the 49ers have swept the Seahawks this season. Uh, so any hope of a division title is almost gone and you continue to hold on to the threads uh, that are your playoff chances and you're losing more of those threads week by week. So uh, you hate to put that sort of designation on it, but this arguably could be a must win game. Seattle, the Eagles are beatable at this at their current state. 
I just don't have a lot of confidence that this current Seahawks group can do it with the way that the coaching staff has failed to get them prepared uh, for these big games against good opponents. You know, good coaching staffs are able to overcome any sort of talent gap. And that's not happening right now, even when the Seahawks have had a more talented roster at times uh, in some of these losses. So, excuse me, or when the coaching staff should have been able to make the difference in these tight games that they've played. So, uh, I'm sorry, I had to take the beanie off. You're going to have to deal with the bald. Um, I don't know. I just can't do it. It's beanie season right now or toque season. Sorry, uh, just can't do it right now. Uh, the Mariners have been quiet over the course of the past week. Obviously, if you follow baseball or the Mariners uh, or even just the sports world, superstar Shohei Otani signed with the L.A. Dodgers. There's more details that have come out today about his contract, and I there's no real point in speaking on that. He got a 10-year, $700 million deal. I know I'm saying there's no point in speaking on it. I'm going to do it. A 10-year, $700 million deal. So the Mariners were far out of that competition. And that was talked about throughout the course of this offseason that the Mariners heard about the contracts being offered to Otani and they basically scoffed at them. Um, But now it leaves you with questions. There's been talk that the amount of money that the Mariners are left with is $20 million, which isn't a lot at all uh, to fill the respective gaps that this team has. Uh, Any talks that the Mariners have had about Acquiring Isaac Paredes and Randy Rosarena from the Rays have somewhat quieted down. Uh, there's rumors that the Mariners are interested in trading for Josh Naylor, who's not a bad hitter whatsoever. Um, but I don't know. At least given the way that things have gone for the Mariners in this current offseason, um, I don't blame fans for being upset. It's it's understandable. It's very understandable, and it's a reasonable question to ask. Am, is it worth my money to support this team this season right now? No. I mean, to have to salary dump the, the contracts of Evan white and Marco Gonzalez and have to give up a guy like Jared Kelnick is incredibly mind boggling uh, to trade away. And Eugenio Suarez, sure. His strikeout numbers were bad. Sure. His bad speed was going down. Um, but to get rid of that clubhouse presence on a fan favorite at that is incredibly frustrating. Uh, a clubhouse favorite, you're starting third baseman and there's n- no real direction in sight right now. Is it going to be through trades? We don't know. What are the Mariners willing to give up? Uh, is it going to be for three, through free agency? Probably not because they don't have a lot of money to spend. Uh, the talk about the regional sports network uh, and the changes that have come with that seems to hinder this organization and this ownership group a lot. So anyway, it's 62 days until pitchers and catchers report. We'll, we'll see. It is still approaching mid December, but obviously again, there's not necessarily a lot to be hyped up about or believe in when it comes to this Mariners organization, it's front office, it's ownership group uh, amidst this current off season. So We'll see. Well, well, ugh, that one's such a headache to talk about. Um, <laughs> looking over here, this one's not so much a headache to talk about. Um, yesterday, uh, in the WNBA draft lottery, the Storm were given the fourth overall selection in the 2024 WNBA draft. They had the worst odds to move up, um, 
and they did not. So they sit at the fourth spot in the draft lottery. They will have three picks in this upcoming 2024 WNBA draft. Uh, the fourth overall pick in round one, obviously, as we've just mentioned. The, excuse me, 14th overall selection, excuse me again, in the second round, and then the 26th overall selection in round three. So this, depending, of course, on who declares for this upcoming WNBA draft. This could be a very impactful pick for this Storm team who brought Jewel Lloyd back, who was able to get a two-year extension out of the Gold Mamba, who's got Jordan Horson coming off of an impressive rookie season and is getting that shoulder uh, rehab throughout the course of the offseason. You know, there are some solid pieces already in play for the Storm, and I'm not at all saying that this upcoming year is a contending year, but the foundation is being laid for a strong Seattle roster. Um, I mean, the consensus kind of is being laid out for the respective mock drafts, but you know, the top four for this draft could include Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers, um, Cameron Brink, and Aaliyah Edwards, Georgia Amore, who we saw in the uh, March Madness games here in Seattle last year, uh, could be in this draft for Kia Jackson, uh, Camelia uh, Cardoso. You know, there's there's a lot of names here that really would make a big impact uh, on any roster, let alone the Storm roster. So that would be big to to get. Uh, it, 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 again, it, to an extent, it depends on who declares for this draft. I don't imagine we'll see many of those players many of those names uh decide to come back to college uh for another year but again fourth pick hard to complain about that especially with the way uh that this roster you know showed flashes last season it wasn't great obviously if you get the fourth overall pick the wins and losses aren't going to be that great uh but nobody expected last year to be much of uh, a, comp- a competing year anyway I know I thought I, I had the bold prediction, the hot take last offseason that maybe they would be a scrappy playoff team. They showed scrap, you know, but there was a very big lack of uh, some key things like finishing, uh, like a consistent shooter outside of Jewel Lloyd. So, no, it'll be it'll be fun to have this pick, you know that fourth overall pick you'll go through free agency uh you'll be able to lure some teams here surely because you've got Jewel Lloyd on the roster because you've got that pick uh Jordan Horson's good to play with you've got that uh training facility that should be finished in the spring so uh, you play in climate pledge arena so uh you're one of the more respected organizations in all of the WNBA so it's exciting. I think it's an exciting offseason. It should be a lot of fun to cover uh, and should be a lot of fun to see what players end up in a storm jersey uh, by the time that we're getting ready for training camp. So uh, that's that for storm related news. The only thing that we've got over in the Sounders department uh, is the further news rumors linking uh, of the Sounders and the young Argentine forward Pedro de la Vega uh, from Uh, his current club. He's 22 years old, had six goals and three assists for his club this past season. His departure from the club was already expected, and he is looked at as one of the biggest promises in Argentine football. Over the course of the past week, it was reported um, from a source with the club uh, that 
De La Vega has approved the move. The only thing that's being worked on really is the paperwork and expected to be signed within the next two weeks. So Seattle is looking to have their new young DP signed uh, pretty quick here. There were rumors around MLS that they would add a fourth DP spot, uh, but MLS commissioner Don Garber shut that down, uh, which is a little frustrating. It feels like it could be somewhat of a hindrance to the league and the growth of the league, but uh, I don't know. It, it, this is exciting, though. I mean, seeing what De La Vega can bring young, uh, seems like a really big playmaker up top for Seattle. That's what they need, uh, whether it's up top or just as an attacking player. However, Seattle will end up using him if this is true, um, in which we haven't gotten any official announcements or anything while we've been on. I will double check that, though, because you never know what's going to drop while we're on the air. Nope. Okay. Um this is this would be big for the Sounders. You know, they had a decent roster last year. I mean, it was aging. Uh, you've got some players that will be moving on. The Sounders have already gone through their respective offseason moves uh, to finish up the 2023 MLS year. And now it's it's a big offseason. The branding, the Sounders officially changed their branding to the new crest. I guess we should do that here with our branding. So we'll do that in a little bit. Uh, well, after this show, obviously, by the time that we see you next week for the show on the 18th. Um, but no, I'm excited for the De La Vega signing. It should be interesting, though, to see what else uh, Craig Weibel and the Sounders front office is able to do to improve this roster and get it back to you know competing for an MLS Cup. Which is crazy to say because it's not like they finished poorly in the standings this year. It was just the potential of what they should have been was higher than what reality was for the Sounders. So anyway, speaking of potentials and reality, uh, the Kraken, oof, 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 oof. Uh, we'll go over the past week of games before we get to any real um, complaints, criticisms, and just general crying about this team because it is tough. Uh, the Past week started on December 4th at the Montreal Canadiens with a 2-4 to four loss. Our player of the game defenseman, Adam Larson, one assist, one point, uh, one plus minus, one hit, and seven shots on the night for the Big Cat. Um, the next game, as Seattle kicked off a six-game homestand, uh, started off with a loss, December 7th versus the New Jersey Devils, a 1-2 to two loss. Our player of the game, who is featured in our photo of the game by our good photographer, Rio Giancarlo, uh, Ty Cartier. Cartier, one goal, four shots, three hits on the day. Carts continues to be a physical presence uh, for this Kraken team, despite still being a rookie, being considered a rookie, that is, uh, and one takeaway on the day for Carts. Uh, Seattle started this game out relatively solid. Philip Grubauer kept a minute all night long, um, but wasn't able to get enough support there. Uh, the one goal from Cartier wasn't enough uh, to help the Kraken uh, get the win. It's tough. I mean, it's a skilled and fast-paced Devils team, and Seattle didn't do that bad of a job of containing them. Um, but just the they weren't they the story. Sorry, goodness gracious, um, not all night long. I apologize. That's right. Uh, Philip Grubauer had to leave this game. Um, mm, wait, no, I am right. I am right. I am right. Um, pardon me. Sorry just couldn't get the puck luck and they really haven't had that sort of thing <laughs> at all this year that continued with the December 9th loss versus the Tampa Bay lightning, a three to four loss in overtime. Our player of the game defenseman, Jamie Alexiak, one goal, one point, one plus minus four shots, 
two block shots and one hit on the day uh, for the big rig. So nice to see him get back on the scoreboard. Our photo of the game here um, is Vince Dunn, Alex Winberg, and Jared McCann celebrating McCann's power play goal that gave the Kraken the lead um, in the third period, a lead that they had not had throughout the course of the game. In this one, Seattle goes down by two goals in the first period, one of those goals coming right before the first intermission. Really frustrating, uh, just continued lapse defensively uh, and kind of just not the best effort all around. Seattle is able to make the push. They're able to tie this game going into the final period. Uh, Jared McCann's power play goal gives them a lead, but Nick Paul scores a tire late into the third period. Uh, The Kraken get a push, uh, and they get a penalty going into the overtime frame. They're not able to do anything with the penalty, uh, with the man advantage, pardon me, in overtime, and they give up the eventual game-winning goal to Nikita Kucherov. That one really frustrating considering you had the lead going into it. You had come back from that two-goal deficit, and you only get the one point out of it when you should have had the two. Uh, and then yesterday's game to uh, the third game of a six-game homestand and the last of the past week for the Kraken Hosting the Minnesota Wild, a team that's uh, they're they're Minnesota's odd. I mean, they had a long losing streak, a winning streak, and then they had lost their last two games coming into this contest. The Kraken obviously on a losing streak going into this game, uh, and like just couldn't get anything to go in this one either. Um, oh, goodness gracious, yeah, this one was tough. Uh, our photo of the game tells a little bit of the story by Liz Wolter, uh, Seattle. Got chances. They got chances early on the power play. They got chances late on the power play. Uh, there were uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand hit the post. He hit the side of the netting. Uh, there were pucks that went right through the crease. Jordan Eberle had one that should have gone through, uh, but went off of a skate. There's just no puck luck with this team. It is essentially non-existent. Um, and the goals against were bad. The third one was an empty net goal. Uh, Seattle was in w- within one for, I believe, 52 minutes of this game because of the play of Joey Decord in net for Seattle. Um, but just no goal support whatsoever. Seattle gets shut out, and they're currently on an eight-game losing streak. So I tried to postpone the idea of a big change being made for this Kraken team for a while. I thought, hey, they're doing the right things. They're doing a lot of good. There are positives to look at with this current roster. They just need a little puck luck. They just need to be able to find the game that breaks through, um, and then they'll be fine. And they haven't done that. And we're now um, 29 games into the season. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, you're seven games out of a wild – seven points, pardon me, out of a wild card spot, you know, because of – the lack um, of big performers per se in the standings in this Western conference, in your division, even um, you're still technically in it. You're not that far out of this fight uh, because of that, you know, it's not necessarily the biggest thing to freak out, but if you're looking optimistically, of course, which a lot of the fan base isn't, and I don't blame them anymore. You know, it's, they're not far off. I really don't believe they're far off. And I, this is not at the fault of Dave Hackstall, but it's certainly his problem to solve. And he might end up being the one that gets canned for it. And it won't entirely be deserving. Uh, you can say what you want about it. These guys do still end up putting up a fight for him. Uh, 
you know, they work on things in practice. I promise you, as someone who covers this team and sees them in the practices, they didn't have one today. Um, they work on the, necess- the the issues that they're facing, whether it's the power play, you know, whether it's the rushes, whether it's staying tight and structured on the penalty kill. They do practice their issues. The, just the problem has been they'll work to fix one issue. Uh, it'll be solved. They'll go to fix another issue. And then that one that, that, that the prior has come into uh, disarray again. So couple that, the lack of puck luck, um, you know, it's, it's the, the Kraken are playing against themselves when they have the lack of effort games, when there's the period that really sets them behind that they need to chase. Um, they're playing themselves and their opponent and their opponents, you know, they've played a lot of good hockey teams throughout the course of the year here. And even in the games that they should have won, like that Minnesota game, a Minnesota team that's very beatable, they beat themselves or they just don't get the luck. I don't know how some of those goals did not go in for Seattle. I really don't. I don't know who in the organization went and got cursed or, or stepped on a crack or what. I don't know. Um, I, I still really don't think they're that far off. They're a confusing team. I promise you they're a confusing team. Um and you you add the fact that they've had a lot of players injured. Jaden Schwartz is out. Andre Burakovsky's out. You know, Philip Grubauer. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, oh, it's it's they're a very confusing team, and it's a headache to try and solve these issues for this Kraken team. And you know, it's the the fans have been calling over uh, for it since basically game one when they lost to the Knights um, on the road to begin the season. Uh, but big changes might need to happen. It might just be what sets this team going into the right direction, which is unfortunate because I don't think that this group is a bad group. I don't think Dave Haxel has done a bad job with this roster and with this team. I really don't. I don't think these players largely are at fault outside of maybe Brian Dumoulin, you know, and he's not at fault for their, the rest of the, the entirety of the issues. I apologize. You know, so it's tough. It is really tough. Um, but yeah, it it does seem very much like um, Dave Haxel is going to be fired as a result of this. We'll see. Uh, maybe they've rattled things off. Uh, the three game stretch that's upcoming isn't easy. They have a stretch there where they play the Kings twice within three days, and the other team that they play in that span of, uh, pardon me, twice in three games, and the other team they play in those three games is the Dallas Stars. It's not getting any easier for the Kraken, and no, but they don't have anybody to feel bad for them. It's not how this league works. It's not how professional sports work. They're going to have to find a way to get through it. Adam Larson, uh, after the game yesterday, talked about, you know, you're going to have to get a greasy one. And that's going to be the one that's going to be able to stop the losing streak and get them going in the right direction. But they've played greasy. They have been able to get net front. They've been able to get pucks to the net, and they just haven't gone in. It's it's pretty wild. It's, it, is, has, it, is been, uh, it has been pretty wild. You know, after the game yesterday, there were several players, including Jared McCann, who were just sitting in their stalls still by the time the media was allowed in. And they just looked dejected. They looked like, hey, we've given it everything. We've pushed. <laughs> we've been there right, right there uh, to be able to either equalize or go ahead or get the game winner. And they haven't. So, I, you know, 
they've kept face. The, the Dave Hagstall and this roster have kept face. They've said, hey, we're not that far off. We've got to keep working. We've got to believe in what we're doing. That's been said throughout the organization, the, the players and the coaching staff. Oliver Bjorkson talked about it last night, you know. Um, but I, you, you know it has to be eating at them, at least a large group of them. So it's tough. It is very tough. Uh, and I do think now it will take something like that, uh, maybe even a trade. I don't imagine that'll be what it is. I think Hexel will be fired before anything else um, to set this group going in the right direction. So um, speaking of uh, injuries, I just had talked about. So um, goodness, yeah, not not great. On December 5th, Andre Burkowski was in a practice jersey ahead of the game against Montreal. Uh, he got through that game. Oh, no, he didn't get through that game. He did play the game against the Devils. Uh, he didn't necessarily seem like he was 100% full-on, ready to go, full speed um, ahead of that game against New Jersey, but he did play in that one. He did leave the game, though, uh, late into the second period. He came back in to start the third period. He played two shifts and then did not return for the rest of the game. The next day, he was deemed uh, out week to week with an upper body injury. It is different though than the injury that he suffered that kept him out for six weeks uh, that he suffered against the New York Rangers earlier in the season. So I don't know how you, yeah. Um, I'll say this on Berkey. It's been really tough for him. I mean, you, you know what you're getting with Andre Burakovsky when he's healthy. He can move the puck well. He, he was the team's leading point scorer before he got injured last season. Um, and it's tough. So I think all the poor takes on Twitter are just poor takes, and I shouldn't give them the light of day. And I'll, we'll move on from that now. Um, on December 10th, uh, goaltender Philip Grubauer was placed on IR after he left that game um, on the 9th, pardon me, uh, with lower and upper body injury. Well, pardon me. I read that wrong. Philip Grubauer was placed on IR on the 10th. Uh, he left the game against the Lightning uh, after an injury that he suffered late into the second period, pushing across from one end of the crease to the other, uh, going to make a stop uh, as the Kraken were on the power play as the Lightning almost got a shorthanded chance. Uh, he went down and was in on the ice for several seconds after he had gone down. Uh, he looked slow getting off the ice. We never saw him return after the second intermission. Um, and we still don't have a real set uh, and clear idea of what the injury is and any timeline that he'll be out for. Uh, nothing. Okay, good. Nothing. Uh, I always get scared that something's going to happen while we're here. Um, yeah, so maybe we'll hear about it tomorrow in practice. We'll have to see. Justin Schultz also left the game on the ninth uh, with an injury, an upper body injury. He took a puck to the face. He was not available yesterday against the Wild. We'll have to see if we hear about him tomorrow or see him in morning skate. As always, um, you can keep up to date in real time with us on stuff like that on our Twitter slash X, whatever you want to go call it. We've been more active on threads recently. Um, so that would be good as well. Uh, but you can get those real time updates as we're at these practices. We're at morning skate. We're at the games. Uh, we're in the post game press conferences and all that sort of thing uh, by following us and getting that in, in real time as it happens. So uh, that's tough in terms of team related news. I mean, 
<laughs> it's uh, last week we talked about guys moving up and down and there being all these sort of roster moves that continued this week, uh, not only with injuries, but also as the team kind of tries to get out of this slump on December 5th, the team recalled defenseman Riker Evans from the Coachella Valley Firebirds. So uh, the second overall pick ever by this Kraken team uh, after Matty Beneers has made his debut. He's looked pretty solid in the time that he's been here. There have been some mistakes. Sure. That's going to happen uh, with a young defenseman uh, who's playing in his first three games uh, with a team that's struggling, um, but he's looked pretty solid. And I do think that he will be a defenseman that will be with this Kraken roster, hopefully for a long time. The next day on the sixth, the team recalled for Devin Shore from the Firebirds, uh, but sent forwards, Max McCormick, McCormick and Marianne Sunich down to the Firebirds. This seemed to be a thing where they didn't want to place the uh, forwards on waivers, so they're kind of playing ping pong with them. Send McCormick and Sudan each down, bring Shore back up. Uh, this is also when they were getting Andre Burakovsky back, so I was like, hey, we don't need another forward as a healthy scratch. We'll send them back down to Coachella Valley. The next day, the team loaned uh, defenseman Jacob Megna to the Firebirds on a conditioning assignment, which was interesting. In his first game, uh, the team played a back-to-back against the Abbotsford Canucks. Megna had one shot, and that was his only stat for the game. Um, And then in the next game, he scored, actually. So that was nice. The next day, um, after that game that I mentioned, he would get recalled. But we have another move to go before before that. December 9th, before the game against the Lightning, uh, the team recalled Ford Marion Sudanich from the Firebirds. The day after that, the day of the Wild game, the team recalled Chris Drieger as Philip Grubauer was placed on injured reserve, which is something he has to be on for a minimum of seven days. Um, and recalled defenseman Jacob Magna back from the Firebirds. So score a goal. The next day it's your birthday, and then you have to come back up to Seattle. So, well, they were in Abbotsford, so that, I digress. So, yeah, long story short, I think if any change is going to happen, it's going to be Dave Hexall getting fired. Unfortunately, I'm not saying that because I believe it should happen. I'm saying that because I'm imagining, inferring, using my context clues to think that that's what's going to take place. So, whew. We look ahead, the Kraken have three games coming up over the course of the past week to close out a six-game homestand. Uh, The first is tomorrow, Tuesday, December 12th, um, against the Florida Panthers, the 8, 14, and 7 Kraken, who sit in the sixth spot of the Pacific Division, who currently have 23 points, which through 29 games, uh, through the same mark back in the inaugural season, was the same number of points. (laughs) So through 29 games in year one and year three, the Kraken, the same amount of points. Unfortunate. Uh, (laughs) They play a Panthers team who comes into this game uh, in their last seven games going five wins, one loss, and one overtime loss. The Kraken come into this game having lost their last eight games. So that's going to be a tough one. Florida obviously going to the Stanley Cup final last year, losing to the Golden Knights. Uh, Still a lot of veteran talent on that team. They're a hard team to beat. Seattle lost to them on the road last time they met this season. So looking to avenge things, looking to stop the eight-game losing streak, but we'll see. After that, they will welcome the Chicago Connor Bedards uh, to Climate Pledge Arena. Connor Bedard and Chicago will come December 14th uh, and also play a 6, I mean, pardon me, a 7 p.m. puck drop. The Kraken loss to the Chicago 
also on the road the last time that these two teams met. Uh, but all of the production came from the bottom six forward. So Seattle looking to just clean things up. That was another sloppy loss. Uh, so hopefully that is also something that they can bounce back from, get revenge on the last game that these two teams played against each other um, <laughs> and lead into a tough final game of the week. They play the LA Kings who are very real and very scary. Uh, a deep Kings team that seems to be putting things together or has put things together. Uh, that game to end out the homestand is December 16th uh, with a 7 p.m. puck drop. That is, uh-oh. Something happened. Jeff Passon. Um, oh, boy. We'll see. That game, all of these games, all three games over the course of the next week on Root Sports. So uh, there was a game. Uh, the Devils game was on ESPN. Thankfully, we won't have to deal with that after this. So uh, there's only one piece of OL Rain news as their offseason continues. Um, a, a, a good and a bad. Today, both of them happened day two, so it was interesting. Um, December 11th, the team re-signed a goalkeeper, Maya Perez, who was signed as the third goalkeeper after Valentilis Joyce left to join Man United. Um, and midfielder Angelina is leaving via free agency. She was an unrestricted free agent. Um, pardon me. No. Anyway, she was a free agent. She had dealt with coming back from an ACL injury. She had worked so hard to get back from it. Uh, a lot of playmaking from Angelina had hopes to see more from her. And it's not, I'm not saying that to say she disappointed. I'm saying to say it's unfortunate because she was held up by injury. Um, but she will, she has declared for free agency. She had a goodbye message on Instagram. Uh, it basically said, I'm off to new adventures and new things. So looking for a change of scenery, maybe a way to uh, reignite a bit of a spark. Since she signed with the rain back in 21, Angelina has totaled 28 regular season appearances, uh, 10 of them being starts recording one assist, uh, 15 shots, 63 duels, one, 22 tackles, one, and nine chances created. So unfortunate uh, that we didn't get to see more Angelina. Unfortunate that she will not come back with the rain this upcoming season, uh, but wishing her obviously the best of luck. Um, oh my, the best of luck uh, in what she endures next. So, um, yeah, tomorrow's a big day for the rain. I don't want to I want to make double check that this is right. <laughs> because if, as far as my notes are correct, uh the expansion draft is tomorrow and I'm not prepared for that. Um not prepared as in not ready to deal with it, just not ready to see players leave the rain. Um you know, yeah. Prior to the expansion draft, clubs will submit a list of productive and unprotected players, which will be distributed to all clubs on the 12th. Oh, okay. The actual draft is on the 15th. So it's still this upcoming week. So that's not great. Um, but after the expansion draft, everything in the offseason should really start to move. Uh, the entry draft is on the 12th. But, you know, all of the talk for the rain has been about Rose Lavelle and Emily Sonnet. Why haven't they signed yet? They haven't signed yet because of the expansion draft. If they signed with the rain already, the rain would either have to protect them or have to protect other players. And it would just, it's a lot easier to just go and wait for the expansion draft to take place and then sign them. So anyway, I mean, the rain will be losing two talented players, regardless of what happens um, over the course of 
the expansion draft. They re- they extended the option of Shea Holmes this past week. Um, they re-signed um, Alyssa Melanson. So the, the depth is there for the rain, but some of that depth will take a hit with the expansion draft, which is unfortunate. So um, that is it for this week's episode of Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the live version. I don't imagine it was too different from what we normally do. Um, yeah, no comments. No comments. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> until we see you next week on December 18th, hopefully by then we are back in the studio. The crack and go on the road, so it's not like a lot of things. Um, we'll be in studio. I mean, we'll be here in Seattle by then, but that doesn't mean that the Seattle sports world will slow down in any sort of iteration. Um, until we see you next week, be careful. Take care of yourselves. Uh, you know, it's obviously cold out there with the rain. It's slippery. The rain has made the basement here, uh, the home studio, a little wet. So thank you to Chris and Zoe for taking care of that. Um, until we see you next week, hoping that the Seahawks are able to turn things around, <laughs> that the Mariners do something productive in free agency to get some fans' hopes up. Uh, the Storm prepare for free agency and the draft with their fourth overall pick. Um, the Sounders complete the De La Vega signing. The Kraken are able to snap the eight-game losing streak. Uh, and that all of our other teams um, are able to do positive things by the time that we see you next week. Take care of yourself. Be well and do whatever you can to make today a great day. I love you. I'll see you later. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.